Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian Machine, the greatest stuntman in all of Canada, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? I am just happy that we have finally have representation. Do you feel in, represented? Uh, I, I do. Do you feel seen? I do. <laughs> I do. As, as the had the most Canada references, I think, in any animated movie that I've seen easily in a very very long time. We are here to talk about the inexplicable fourth entry. I guess we could call it inexplicable fourth entry of the Toy Story franchise. Appropriately titled Toy Story 4. David, this was at the top of your list, right? This was at the top of your list? This is list. my most anticipated movie. This was your most anticipated movie of the summer of the year, both? The year. Of the entire year. Man. Absolutely. Man, and we'll get into whether or not it was worth the wait if it mm-hmm. met expectations or not. But before we do, you and I talked before this, obviously, as we always do. Uh, and we kind of wanted to do just a brief little recap of the franchise itself of Toy Story. Because, man, it's hard to find something as consistent as this series. Really, really hard. Going all the way back to 1995. We were nine I think. Yeah, nine. We were children. We were. <laughs> we, we were children. I was two years younger than my cousin is right now when this when this franchise released. We've grown up with these characters, and when this came out, it was it was mind blowing. When the first Toy Story came out, no one had ever seen anything like it before in a in a feature film capacity. You know, not only did it have an an animation style that was completely different, but it had an all star cast. You get Tom Hanks, you get Tim Allen, two of the biggest stars, Tom Hanks of all time, Tim Allen of at the time in the middle of. Uh, probably peak, peak Tim Allen. Peak Tim Allen, probably mm-hmm. the most popular comedian in the world at the time. One of them, for one sure. of, and it just it it, it blew up. It, it did everything right. Mm-hmm. Now you got stats. You got. We're gonna compare the kind of the stats and the uh, the box office and all these kind of. I, we can do it either one by one or we can do it total. It's completely up to you. Um, one of my favorite things about the franchise and Pixar in general, we were talking about this, is that there's there's always a story that you can look at on the face value and then there's always a deeper meaning. And with the original Toy Story, it introduced us to this world of toys that lived and breathed and functioned when no one was watching. And it introduced us to Woody, who was, frankly, kind of a dick. <laughs> you know, he was he was the most he was the favorite toy. You know, he was arrogant. And when he was threatened, you know, the whole movie is kind of a humility journey for him. Kind, you know, kind of. Um, where it, where he learned about friendship and sharing the limelight and, and things like that, and it was massive. Massive. Um, how much did it do box office? Do we have those numbers? We have uh, in 1995, it did 191 domestic uh, worldwide. It did 373 on a budget of 30 million. Yeah, opening weekend, just. Uh, domestic, it did 
basically its budget. Twenty nine point one million. Twenty nine point one million. That's nineteen ninety five dollars, right? Yep. Came out to critical acclaim, one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, nominated for three Academy Awards, mm-hmm. I think, and recipient of a special recognition in animation. Yep. No, no one had ever done anything like this before for a feature-length film. And then, not too long after that, 1999, I think they did Bugs Life. Pixar did Bugs Life. And then they came back to Toy Story 2. And there's a lot of interesting stuff that that we read about Toy Story 2, the first of which is that it was originally intended to be one of one of the many direct-to-video Disney animated sequels that Michael Eisner was famous for pumping out, which, <laughs> which you and I both agree would have been a garbage move. Yeah, they would have missed out on $245 million domestic and 497 worldwide. If Jeez. you go inflation-wise, um, just domestically, that's $431 million. And they... I mean, and they made adjustments. They, they, it was originally going to be a lot shorter. They added it. They extended it. They bumped up the budget. Uh, They got brought the entire cast back, got everybody back, added new toys as they always do, added Jesse. And that is when I feel like Pixar realized that they can crush people's souls. (laughs) The, The fact that they bring in Sarah McLaughlin. To do Jesse's song. I forget the name of it. I don't have it up in front of me here. Um, but when she loved me, I think is what it was. Uh, and it was just like, Jesus, I didn't know an animated movie could could make me feel this way. Could make me feel, you know, melancholy, yearnful, all of these types of things. Such complex emotions for, for such a big film. But everybody was wondering, you know, can magic strike again? You know, there's always been there's an interesting thing and uh, that I... Uh, I do want to ask you about when we finish this little quick recap here, but it's the doubt. So much doubt with Pixar and with this franchise and every single time unfounded. Um, and this the same is true of here. It was, it was, it was unfounded doubt, you know, and, and going back into the deeper meaning of it all, you know, there, there's a big part of it about, you know, remembering where you came from, remembering what's important, you know, Woody finding out that he's this big hotshot collectible, and getting a big head over it and having to be brought back to Earth. Another uh, uh, humility journey for our, for our hero, Woody. And then, what, 11 years later? Yep. 2010, we get Toy Story 3. And again, people doubt. Toy Story 3, another, another Toy Story? You know, could... Are they pushing their luck? The second one was already... You know, I don't know if a lot of people consider it to be an improvement. I know a lot of people consider it to be one of the best sequels Mm -hmm. ever made, um, and it's part of the discussion. And it was the same thing. There was doubt. Oh, is their luck going to run out? Are they going to produce a a stinker? Uh, Whatever it may be, they did not. Long story short, uh, Toy Story 3 wound up being... Now, granted, we've we've grown up along the time, so the numbers have grown up, and we we're not throwing in inflation and whatnot. But Toy Story three wound up being one of the most successful animated movies of all time. Four hundred fifteen domestic, um, inflation adjusted does a little less since it's closer, but had it at four hundred eighty. Um, but worldwide, it was the one of I think it was Pixar's f- first. 
film to go over one billion. I think you're correct. Yes, I think it was the first one. It's done it. Nemo was very close. Nemo was close, and then Dory did it, and then most recently, Incredibles did it. Yep, Incredibles Um, two, I should say. Massive again, uh, massive success, critical success, just like Toy Story two. Critical success, audience success, everybody loves it. Wins the Academy Award for Best Animated Film is only, I believe, the third film, second or third film. Uh, what is the Pixar films? Um, third film to be nominated for Best Picture because Up was nominated the year before uh, and um, Beauty and the Beast was nominated. Uh, so there's that. So again, massively, massively successful. You know, How can they perfect the follow-up? And this one was huge as well because it, it struck a lot of people right in the emotions with the concept of growing up and having to move on and having to, you know, leave those childhood things behind. I don't, I don't know. I, Pixar movies have gotten to the point of where it's like, okay, I know I'm going to cry. But Toy Story 3 was a big one for me. You know, the ending and all of that where Andy was explaining all of his toys to Bonnie and kind of affirming everything that they thought they were to him. Kind of like, okay, th- that is as he pictured them as well. You know? Well, and it was just... Basically, the story of growing up, which we all deal with at some point in time. Definitely. You have to move on from things of your childhood to that point. And uh, yeah, I mean, everybody gets emotional about everybody, that. Yeah, everybody but has you, their don't, memories. you don't have emotions. You didn't. Did you cry in this one? I didn't cry in this I one. You didn't cry. I definitely rolled a tear on this one for sure. And so that brings us to, again, nine years later, 2019. Here we are. Toy Story 4. What is that? 24 years later? Toy Story 4. And the doubt again, David, comes up. How could they? Toy Story 3 is such a perfect send-off. This movie, oh, I I love Pixar, but oh, I have my doubts. And oh, how the perfect 3 was the perfect ending. They're going to ruin it. And I would argue, David, that they did not. (laughs) I would argue that they did not. They certainly did not ruin it. But before we get into our spoiler-free thoughts, you had brought up some of the names that have been involved with this franchise. Not only the voice actors, which incredibly enough just keeps growing and growing and growing, not only with every movie, but staying with every movie. Yeah. Which is really impressive. But behind the scenes as well. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to take this time to talk about John Lasseter's um, you know, m- missteps as to use his words. Um, but John Lasseter for the longest time was the major moving creative force behind Pixar, behind Disney animation. He's the one responsible for Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. Um, and he was co, uh, uh, he was directing this one. He was co-producing it. And then he stepped down, um, for, v- you know, various accusations and things like that. Um, inappropriate workplace behavior and whatnot. You can read it. Google it. You know, we're not going to get into it here. I, I'm not interested in that. Um, but there's also some people that were involved that we were actually kind of surprised. Well, I mean, the the most surprising one is all the way back in 95 that Joss Whedon was part of the screenplay, developing right. the screenplay. Joss Whedon, I think we know him for a couple things now. <laughs> uh, but at the time, I mean... You mean Buffy the Vampire Slayer's yeah, Joss exactly. Whedon? Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> So that was kind of out of, I think that might have been really like the first thing. 
I mean, obviously he did other things, but this was even pre Buffy from that standpoint. Yeah. So pretty crazy to, to see his name on that list. Um, but then I think really like with the second and third Mm -hmm. and even into this film, I think really it starts getting into more like the names of like some of the actors that participate in, in the different films. Um, it's crazy. The, the the cast lists in this. This one's by far the craziest. But I mean, even in <laughs> even in three, I you know, two has a couple in there. But three, you get like Michael Keaton in there. Yep. As um, Ken. Yep. And then who was um, you get Ned Beatty in there. Ned Ned Beatty is Lotso. You got Kristen Shaw. You got they brought good old Bonnie Hunt in. Yep. They brought in. Uh, Jeff Garland, they got, I mean, shoot, even some of the smaller characters, you know, they got Whoopi Goldberg in there. They got, I mean, they got Jodie Benson, I think, voiced Barbie in part two. She's back again as, uh, you know, part three. An insane amount of people. And, of course, it increases here as well. You get, I mean, not to bury the lead, but you get Keanu Reeves. Oh, absolutely. You get... Key and Peel, you get Christina Hendricks, and there's some really fun cameos in there as well that you probably wouldn't even realize uh, that are doing the voices for Toy Story 4. Mm-hmm. You know, that I don't want to spoil them in this section, but there's a couple of really good ones yeah. that they wind up um, bringing in and that they wind up bringing back too. Um, an amazing list of talent, you know, for, for all that's being said. Um, and an amazing list of creative talents as well. This is, you know, these movies were created by what was known as the Pixar Brain Trust. Mm-hmm. And the Pixar Brain Trust was this creative entity that was formed. And it was Andrew Stanton, Pete Docter, Joe Ramph. Um, those are really the big ones. Lasseter, obviously. Lee Unkrich um, is another one who kind of came on board as well. Pete Docter now is the is the chief creative officer he basically when john lasseter stepped down p doctor is the one who replaced him mm-hmm. and these guys are responsible for the all of the pixar movies that you know and love and they had a hand in all of this and i think that's phenomenal um but let's talk about let's get into the spoiler free conversation about toy story 4 now right off the bat just as what we were talking about before there was big concern maybe not from us I certainly wasn't concerned, but there was big concern from everybody out there. Oh, they're making a Toy Story 4. Oh, they're going to ruin it again, blah, 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 blah. As we said, they don't. This is easily, I don't know, David, walk me back if you need to, but it's easily one of the best movies of the year. Um, Probably going to be one of, if not the best animated movie of the year. Yeah. I think, Um, I mean, who... You've got a couple big ones to compete with still that are left. Um, Obviously, you have... Where did the... Lion King doesn't count as animated, right? I mean, that's... Did they put Jungle Book when Jungle Book came out? No, Jungle Book was live action. Live action, yeah. So, um, But I think, obviously, you're going to have Frozen, which is is one one of the ones you'll have to compete. I don't see it beating it. Um, Secret Life of Pets 2 is going to come out. We had How to Train Your Dragon out earlier. Phenomenal film. Yeah. Not as good as this. No. I, I just don't see another animated film that could could take it down. I think Frozen could 
potentially make more money. Again, I don't think it will. Maybe. But it, that's the only one I could see like potentially upsetting it at the box office. But from a critical standpoint, I don't see any of them topping it. No. I mean, this is currently sitting at, what, 98% Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. And like a crazy high Metacritic, which normally you don't see as high. Right. It's like 83 or something. Universally beloved. This movie's yeah. so good. And what makes it so good, one of one of the many things that makes it so good is how they manage to continue telling deeper stories. You know, how, you know, th- without getting into too many spoilers, um, Toy Story 3 was about growing up. And this one is about, you know, f- basically approaching the next phase of life. You know, how do you deal with that change in life? Life goes on um, and things change when you age. You know, your priorities now as a as a father of two, Mm -hmm. as a director of sales for a a successful tech corporation, as a coach, you have different priorities, certainly than you did 10 years ago. Sure. Mine hasn't changed too much. (laughs) I don't think Uh, sleep as much as I can eat whatever I want. Those pretty those are pretty standard priorities in my life right now. Which probably tells you a lot about where I am. But but again, this does such a successful job at telling that story with toys. Yeah, that's so crazy that they're able to do that. Um, What did you think about it? You know. Yeah. Just from a general perspective. I mean, I think the things that always stand out for me with all the Toy Story films, and this this continues, is one, how great the characters are. Um, just like the depth of them, too. Not just, you know, a bunch of names in there showing cameos and that kind of stuff, but like sure. memorable characters throughout. Like, we're at the point with the amount of people they introduce that we're like really heavy on number of characters. Toys. Bonnie's of toys. got a lot of toys. Bonnie's got a lot of toys and we get introduced to like <laughs> six or seven at least um, in this one. Yep. And they all have really, you know, depth to their characters in, in a lot of ways. And so I feel like all of the new additions just hit really well and, and were really fun. Um, and then I also think, um, from a, a timeline standpoint of thinking like where we started, it's just really cool to look back on the story. I, I think that was one of the cool things about Toy Story 3 and why I think a lot of people thought maybe that would be the end, which I think at the time it probably was intended to be the end. Sure. Um, I they don't say th- the I don't... same thing about this one too. You never yeah. really know. If a story comes up that they think is worth telling, they'll tell it. Yeah. And I mean, thankfully for them, I mean... Animated films are a whole lot easier to get big names to come back for because it's not apparently, but it's not the same amount of work. Like, yes, it's a lot of voice work, but like, it's not the same as like going out to locations and having to shoot long shoots and all that kind of stuff and all that bullshit. They can show up in their pajama pants. Yeah, I loved. uh, There's a video online of Keanu doing his uh, his lines. Just play that on a loop. It's just amazing. but I think um, I think from a story perspective, it's really cool to see how they keep kind of taking it further. And the thing that I always found about Toy Story, like you kind of alluded to, is it always has so many things that I feel like tie back. I think that's why for me, this franchise is one of my favorites and it's definitely my favorite 
animated films like sure. of all time. Sure. Because not only can I relate to it from the standpoint of being a kid who played with toys, but the life lessons and the story that it tells and the progression of life that it does mm-hmm. are just so relatable as well, but done in obviously a fun and entertaining way. And so you get done with the film and it's just such a good story um, at the end of it. Not only is it a good story, but and, and we talked about this um, when we were talking about how to train your dragon. Um, I don't think we did a podcast episode on Did we do a podcast episode on that? I'd have to look at our library. We did not. It's been a long year. But one of my favorite parts about that franchise is that the characters grow. Now, with How to Train Your Dragon, not only do they grow emotionally, but they also grow physically. You know, mm-hmm. they literally have started as children in the first film, and then by the third film, they're adults, right? And with the toys, they can't age. They're toys. They're going to look like toys. But emotionally speaking, they continue to grow. And that's phenomenal to be able to do that and have that character growth and then have that character growth be um, supplemented and fostered by a really good story that, Admittedly, I, you know, it's kind of, it's it's really funny and it's really weird in a way that, you know, when you, I kind of was reminded of the Marvel films, how the first phase of Marvel films were pretty boilerplate, you know, they're pretty standard origin stories. And then they're like, all right, now we get to start being weird. And this movie has some weird shit in it. That is like kind of impressive for a Toy Story movie. Oh, absolutely. For a G-rated movie too. Yeah. Um, and I just like that Pixar has built the equity. You know, they've built the the. There's no other better word than equity to be able to do weird stuff like have a bunch of ventriloquist dummies as henchmen to an evil, adorable doll. Right. Yeah. That's crazy shit. Yeah. Well, and I think you know from here we probably want to get into some spoilers. So I do. There's a lot more that that teeters on the spoiler alert. Exactly. I don't want Rick. Rick's Rick's getting to that point where he's close to it. I'm so. always. Oh, oh, that might be too much. I gotta turn the podcast off. I don't know. I'm gonna go first this time. Okay. Um, for me. We're going to do popcorn ratings, or do we want to do the ranking? That's true. With Pixar movies, it's always fun. We're getting to the point where we probably can't continue to do this, or at least we can probably do it for another couple of years. But we're getting to the point where we have so many Pixar movies that it's it's hard to go back through all How of them. How do you them. rank all of them, you know? Sure. But at the same time, I think everybody's going to debate which one's the best. There's plenty of people that have their favorites in that, and we're not trying to debate that i think you and i as we talk through pixar movies it's pretty easy to identify kind of tiers Mm -hmm. and and those of you listening may disagree and i think there's some that we found that were kind of borderline sure and And that's fine to disagree we're not saying this is the be all end all rankings our opinion remember this is a it's a a safe space for safe yeah (laughs) but the way that we approach this was not just how good of a movie it was. That was the most deciding factor of it. Um, But it also, some of it came with some significance. So some of them, as we talked through the kind of tiers, some of them we pushed up maybe a a certain tier because while even if it wasn't our favorite, we recognize the significance of it. So 
Uh, we, we kind of put together three tiers when it comes to these, and we've got kind of a, a fourth kind of in-betweener tier sure. because Rick couldn't and, couldn't couldn't quite decide well, on, on and, three strict tiers. Uh, and even the worst Pixar movies aren't terrible. I mean, if you look back to like the history of animation films, and even if you compare to a lot of animation films coming out today, like I would take the bottom Pixar films over probably 90% of the animated films that have come out in the last 10 years. Yeah. Like I, even their bad ones are better than a lot of the stuff that we get. I'm looking at you, Hotel Transylvania. Oh, Jesus. Anyways. Um, so, yeah. So, let's... So and, and even Hotel Transylvania is not even the worst of some of the ones that we get. Honestly, no. But... So tier, you, tier one, birds. <laughs> tier one for us was all the Toy Story, all of them films, and all four, including this one. We we believe belongs in tier one. Uh, both of the incredible films. Yep. Um, I think for me there was no doubt on the the second one, and I think the first one has Absolutely. to be in there too. Yep. Uh, Ratatouille. One of my personal favorites. You and I both are are huge fans of it. Mm-hmm. Wally. Um, which I know is it's my personal is favorite. your personal that favorite. movie is damn yeah uh, up, up which was phenomenal also phenomenal only the sec third movie that was the third movie animated film to get nominated for best picture yep. when they expanded to 10 yep and then finding Nemo mm-hmm. which neither you or I are as big on it as I feel like people are about finding Nemo right but you can't deny its its popularity. You know, it is a great movie. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it made a ton of money it at the box office. Absolutely, almost a billion dollars back then. That's hard to do for an animated film. For sure. And then we get into this middle tier one. So these are ones that we didn't quite think were like in the same category as those ones we just listed. They're pretty close, but they're pretty darn close. And we didn't feel like it was quite fair to put them with. The ones that will come in our tier two. Right. But that was Inside Out, Coco, and Monsters, Inc. So two of our more recent Pixar films and and Monsters, Inc. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, and and again, you know, Inside Out and Coco are phenomenal films. They're Academy Award winning films. But I don't know that they resonate. I mean, you talked about the merchandise and things like that. You're not seeing a lot of Inside Out merch, a lot of Coco merch. No, and I think that that has to do with one of the things that plays into the significance that a movie has is it has to be marketable. And those right. films were fine at the box office. They weren't bad by any means. Right. Um, but they didn't have the lasting significance. Like I sure. think in f- five, ten years, like – People are still going to talk about the Toy Story movies. They're still going to talk about Incredibles. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still going to talk about Finding Nemo. And there will be you know, people that of- still talk about Coco. Coco Absolutely. meant a lot to a lot of people. I mean, it meant a lot to a lot of Latinos, a lot of Latino American people, a lot sure. of Latin American people. Um, and they will. That'll be on the regular rotation. Absolutely. Um, we got down to tier two, which was Bugs Life, Finding Dory. Brave. I, I, I'm a little generous on Brave. I, I didn't mind Brave a lot. Um, and then uh, I didn't mind it. Um, and then Monsters University. And then somewhat controversially, we have Cars, not only Cars 1, but we have Cars 2 in Tier 2 for us. We do. 
You and I, oddly enough, are Cars 2 apologists. We are. You know what, too? The first time I saw Cars 2, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Right. Now I have a child that likes watching animated movies Mm -hmm. and is a huge fan of the Cars movies. Of course. And I've watched Cars 2 my wife and I have probably watched Cars 2 close to 100 times at this point. And Jesus. between the three movies, and this will lead us into Tier 3, uh-huh. we will not watch Cars 3. No. Uh, so we basically rotate between Cars 1 and Cars 2. Mm-hmm. And both of us agree, from a rewatchability standpoint, Cars 2... All the way. All the way. I, I like that Cars 2 did something different. You know, they're like, okay, we're going to take this race car world, Doc Hollywood type thing, and we're going to turn it into a spy It's a movie. legit spy film. Like, and they kill cars in you, that movie. You could take that film, put humans in it. You'd have to modify some of it a little right. bit. Mater Because being... you couldn't have, you know, what's killing people be fuel. Of course. Because humans don't need fuel. But, like, it's a legit spy film yeah you know and and then the tier three is the good dinosaur which from a technical standpoint is a phenomenal Phenomenal. film like technically speaking i think you and i refer to it as them taking the new toys out for a spin yeah it's a it's a flex a little bit it's a little bit of a flex it looks amazing they discounted the story a little bit it wasn't really like that unique of a story there's still lessons in it obviously obviously but it's a little more heavy-handed than i feel like a lot of the other ones like Uh most pixar movies like you can tell as you're going through the story like there's a lesson behind this like i feel like good dinosaur like just slaps you in the face with what the lesson is like it's it's pretty yeah it's growing up you know finding who you are like that kind of stuff but like it's a coming of age film david and you know how i feel about coming of age it's very true it's very true (laughs) and then of course cars 3 which a general consensus is that cars 2 belongs at the bottom you and i obviously disagree cars 3 is one of the few films that actively upset me in the way that i felt as if it was falsely marketed here's the super interesting thing about our tiers here. Yeah. Um, this is off of inflation because I think it's more accurate from that standpoint. Okay. I'll kind of list you off three movies that went over 500 domestically when you adjust for inflation. Incredibles 2, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory. Sure. Um, we didn't ha- Oh, we did have Finding Dory on there. Three films that were over 400, Toy Story 3, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc. Pantheon type um, top tier stuff. There's six movies that went over 300, which was Bugs Life, Cars, Up, Incredibles, Inside Out, Toy Story. Okay. Uh, Then you have pretty much the rest other than two that went over 200. Um, The only two that didn't make it over 200, even when you adjust for inflation domestically, are Cars 3 and Good Dinosaur. Hmm. So it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of times where that doesn't reflect... Um, and the the ones just above it are Brave, Cars Two. Brave still made two hundred, almost two hundred and seventy domestic. Yeah. Um, Cars Two was two fifteen, and Coco was two oh five. So it feels like people can sniff out when Pixar is doing a lesser film. Like the numbers would certainly support that. Yeah, and I mean you have ones like, then you get into like Ratatouille, Wally, Monsters University are kind of the next three. Those are thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen sure. for for Pixar. And I think 
you know, it makes sense with Ratatouille and Wally because it's not quite your most like as friendly to audiences one, especially Wally. I mean, Wally, you literally have like a love story with robots. Right. So, I mean, that's not going to get, <laughs> there's not as much action and things like that that are going to be as exciting to go back and rewatch it over and over again. So, but it is interesting to see how, for whatever it is, audience see, audiences seem to, like you said, sniff out the bad. Not the bad ones, but the lesser the Pixar lesser. movies. Yeah, that for sure. box office almost reflects the quality of the film. I mean, speaking of quality, let's give let's give Toy Story four our popcorn rating. For those of you who've never listened to the podcast before, we rate things a little bit differently. Instead of one, two, three stars, whatever you may have it, we rank it based on uh, a certain popcorn level. And we have five levels. We have burnt popcorn, which means the movie is garbage. We have stale popcorn, which means eh, it's fine probably don't pay money for it we have microwave popcorn which means your mileage might vary you might really like it it might be eh. um it's completely up to you we have movie theater popcorn which is you should probably see this in the theater it's a pretty darn good movie and then we have perfect popcorn which means you should go out and see this movie as soon as possible and then if anything falls midway if anything feels like, yeah, it's not quite microwave, but it's not quite movie theater, then we throw a soda on there as well. So, David, your popcorn rating for Toy Story 4, what do you got? I don't feel like I'm going to be very surprised here. You, you probably aren't. It's perfect popcorn for me. And and I feel like, obviously, I'm biased. This is These are some of my favorite movies. But I feel like, from that standpoint, I would be one to judge it more harshly because it's one that... Sure. We didn't necessarily need, not that you need any films, but we had a really good ending to Toy Story 3. Sure. And so for it to come back, as you said, some people had concerns. For me, I didn't have as much concerns. Like you said, there's not many flops that happen with with Pixar. Like Pixar doesn't usually like screw up a franchise from that standpoint. And I think they're going to be particularly cautious when it comes to basically what started it all for them. Sure. from that standpoint, it delivered on every level for me. It's I, it's hard to talk through where it would rank in the three um, or the four films for sure. me. Because they're all like 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D. Yeah. it's there. There really is very little between them from that standpoint. In a, terms of quality and stuff like that. Absolutely. So perfect, perfect popcorn. popcorn. Perfect popcorn for me as well. Um, again, this one had a little bit more going against it in terms of expectation. We didn't even get to talk about how lushly animated this film is. You know, they do some major flexing in this film when it comes to stuff like rain. There's there's a shot in this movie where the rain on a window looks real. And mm-hmm. I was just astounded by that kind of stuff. Everybody is firing on all cylinders here. It's a wonderful return of characters that you love. It introduces great new characters. It's an emotional story. It's funny. It's sad. It's everything you could hope for from not only a Toy Story movie, but from an animated movie in general. And so for that, it gets perfect popcorn. And we are going to talk about spoilers in a little bit. But before we do, got to take a quick little ad break. 
What's up, good movie buddies? Before we get into spoilers, I want to remind everybody that you can get regular episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you for free by hitting that subscribe button, following us wherever you're listening from. Just take a couple seconds right now as you're listening. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Share us with your friends. Share us with your family. Give us a rating. Write us a review. Help spread the good word of The Popcorn Diet with your own good movie buddies. We also want to remind you that you can find us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. It. And please consider becoming a patron of the podcast by donating a few dollars, by becoming a patron of the podcast. Not only are you going to allow us to improve, but you're also going to get patron-only access to things like ad-free episodes, early access episodes, and additional content that we create as it comes out. So check us out, patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at the popcorn diet. And then last but certainly not least, you can find all of our our latest episodes, all of our articles, all of our reviews, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But David, now we get to talk about spoilers a little bit. Now we just get to talk free and clear, kind of however we want about this film. And we talked, I think the first thing that we mentioned, you know, you had talked about this. You, you brought up the fact that inexplicably, and I mean, unless we look at the other films, Toy Story has probably the widest cast of legitimate voice actors. You know, they have people like, like we said, they have people like Christian Shaw. They have Timothy Dalton. They have a James Bond as like the 25th voice in this movie. And so I wanted to kind of talk about, you know, the existing characters. I kind of want to talk about the newest characters. I mean, I know you want to talk about Duke Kaboom. Absolutely. Good old Keanu Reeves, my, our, our, our boy. We're in the middle of the Keanu-sans, as I like to call it. Keanu Reeves is back in a big, bad way, and this just solidifies it even more. He's great. Duke Kaboom is I, great. I, I just feel like with this, like looking at this voice cast, like I need to go see it again because I missed some of these. Sure. Like I missed that Ricky Henders, Henderson does a cameo for uh-huh. the voice of the Oklahoma Athletics bobblehead. Like, o- I, don't even, yeah. I don't even remember the Oakland Athletics bobblehead in this film. This, um, it's so dense. There are, there are other things I want to talk about with Easter eggs, too, but there is so much. Bill Hader, flee from the, from the Red Hot, <laughs> Red Chili, Hot Peppers. Chili Peppers. Academy like <laughs> Betty White is in there. You Mel got, Brooks, <laughs> Carl Reiner. Saul, crazy. Saul Bloom himself does a voice. Absolutely. I also thought it was really cool that they got Annie Potts to come back after, I mean, literally 24 years <laughs> right. later, and you get her to come back. It's not like she's like all these other characters of our main ones that they've been doing every, they've done all four. Right. She wasn't in the third one. She wasn't in the third film. And so to come back for her... I guess it was 20 years because uh-huh. 99 was Toy Story 2. Yep. So for her to come back 20 years later and bring back that character, I thought was really cool. I mean, Academy Award nominee Lori Metcalf as Andy's mom came back for flashbacks, you know? Absolutely. But I I, I mean, I, I, I loved all of the new voices. Keanu Reeves, obviously, is the one people are going to be talking about a lot. Key and Peele as Bunny and Ducky were fantastic fantastic the comedy relief that they did you know they raised some questions and and i guess all these movies do about how the humans and the toys interact yep but they are so good as the comedic relief uh and this movie's funny not not only with them 
um, and not only because of them, but they have a couple of moments where <laughs> the movie does like it doesn't do it so overtly, but they're like, okay, 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 we have a plan, and then it cuts to some scene of them attacking a human. Just two adorable stuffed animals attacking a human. And then it cuts back and people are just like, no, we're not going to do that. What's the matter with you? And they do that uh, at least a couple of times. And it's some of the funniest parts in the movie. Absolutely. Um, I love Well, that. and I think I would, I would say, and maybe, maybe this is going too far, but I would say this is probably the funniest of the four. It's really funny. And I think you could expect that a little bit when you get a character like, Duke Kaboom that's uh-huh. voiced by Keanu Reeves and you Canada's get Key and Peele in man. it. Like getting the people that you got in there playing the characters that they were playing, like you would assume that this one's gonna be funnier, but even um I mean Forky was hilarious in this Tony film. Tony Hale. Do you watch Veep at all? Yeah. Veep. I I've watched some. I don't watch it. So I Veep seen is all of one them, of but. my favorite comedies and Tony Hale is on that and he plays Forky, and Forky is such a deranged character to exist in a Toy Story film. This this toy that's been made of garbage that is constantly suffering from an existential crisis, trying to kill himself like the first half of the film. It's insane <laughs> that this is in a kid's movie. It's really funny, and it's really out there. Um, Forky's phenomenal. Forky's phenomenal. You know the thing that I, I, I liked? I saw a tweet, and it was, uh, as all tweets are, you know, it was sarcastic and whatever. And somebody was like, you should go see the Toy Story sequel where there's a, a welcoming new character that turns into a bad guy for selfish means, which is a joke in that all three of the Toy Story sequels have that. You have Stinky Pete, you have Lotso Bear, and here mm-hmm. you have Gabby Gabby. But I actually really liked Gabby Gabby's character. Um, I didn't see her so much as a villain like the other two. Stinky Pete and Lotso, I thought, were outright villains. Well, I think that was where they took the character by the end of it. In the right. beginning, she would definitely be oh, sure. a villain. She's got scary ventriloquist doll henchmen. Absolutely. And I, and I loved the way they handled that. That was where I was like, and I think you kind of mentioned, alluded to it earlier, but like that was where I'm like, they still got a G rating for this? Because like I could see like a little kid being like... Oh, God. And and maybe it's that kids aren't freaked out by creepy ventriloquist dolls and adults are more <laughs> creeped out by <laughs> maybe. creepy ventriloquist Maybe they don't find them scary and creepy, but like I sure did. <laughs> but like there was some genuine, and you could see it almost as like tributes to certain films and that, but like you could see some legitimate like... Like the whole like showing up in the shopping or the the carriage uh-huh. and then like being wielded around and then those being on guards and then like even the chasing when the dummies are chasing right. them. Like it reminded you of different films, um, like horror films and things like oh, that sure. from that standpoint. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, that, that, I mean, they were great. They were so good. You know, they even got my boy Jay Hernandez coming in as Bonnie's dad, you know, and which is, again, the the. There are always questions about how how these toys interact with the world around them, but <laughs> Bonnie's dad was also a favorite of mine as they keep screwing with his road trip and delaying him more and more to the point of where literally they're trying to drive away and the toys are messing with the RV so much and they're both just exasperated. Again, some of the most overtly funny stuff 
in the franchise. Oh, yeah. Um, I think my favorite, I mean, even the way, now, uh, I didn't look up uh, Bo, the original Bo Peep like model, um, but I do think they did a little bit of cheating retconning when they showed her in the flashback. Oh, sure. Because she had a cloth um, dress. Sure. And I don't think she had a cloth dress in the original films. I think she was porcelain all the way through. Um, Maybe you can confirm that. But even the change in Bo Peep's character, you know, motivating Woody's decision. um, And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about with the last part here was the the deeper meaning of this. Um, You know, the biggest part of this film or the biggest quote unquote theme of this film is moving on to an existing, you know, part of life. Man, I can't see. Well, what they did, they definitely changed her outfit, which they don't necessarily explain. Cause well, in, yeah, in they the, give her like a blue pants, like a Yeah, they outfit. give her more like a, yeah, like more of a act, active wear for, for lack of for better term. For her adventure stuff. Right. Sure, where she's in a dress in the beginning. Uh, or in all the other ones, she's in more your traditional like. What I always think thought of her Bo dress Peep. was entirely made of porcelain, but I guess I'm wrong. I mean, no, I, I remember it, it being cloth in the the original ones. It's just the animation style has improved so much. Yeah, absolutely. Where you can tell more. Yeah. Wow. And again, the animation in this film is crazy good. Absolutely. Crazy good. Um, but I wanted to go back to that deeper meaning again. And David, I, I, I had a big question about this with you, you know, because, you know, like we said, you're growing up, you have kids, you know, your life has gone through monumental changes and stuff like that. And I think the biggest theme of this film is life happens in phases, Sure. you know, and some people might look at that, myself included, and look back at the old times and try to hold on to those old times. I mean, shit, man. I mean, not to get too real, but, you know, as we grow up, the friends that we used to hang out with, they're not around anymore. They get married. They move on. They move to different cities, you know, and that is tough to deal with. You know, from a personal perspective, that's really, really hard to deal with. Um, it's hard not to look back on those old times and wish and claw and grab and hold on to them as hard as possible. And that's what Woody's doing in this movie is he's trying to hold on to that that role that he's always had, not only with Andy but Bonnie, and they allude to it that he's he's still not really over Andy. And the big sort of overall theme of this film, and I want to get your thoughts on it as well, is moving on to that next phase, you know, knowing when you've done all that you can in a certain phase of life. See, I'll... I'll, I'll... I'll take it a little bit different. Okay. I definitely agree in that. To me, this is all about identity, um, this film. So I think I think as you look back on the character of Woody throughout all four films, especially the first three, um, Woody's identity was in being played with, being the favorite toy, sure. all of that. Sure. So first film, his issue with Buzz is that he's basically stealing his position like he doesn't want to give up the mantle of favorite toy right um toy story 2 it's again he gets tempted with that limelight of like i'm a big deal like i i had my own tv show like all that kind of stuff like i got damaged like andy might not want me so like looking for like that limelight sure coming back to the fact that you know his role is 
to be there for Andy. Right. Like that's the whole thing is he's not there to sit in the glass case. He's there to be with Andy mm-hmm. and, and that. Mm-hmm. And then in three is, is all about moving on, right? Going right. from Struggling he's, with he's, that change. he's trying to hang on to being there with Andy and he's going to take him with, but realizing it's time you know, to serve that purpose for someone else. Right. Um, and I think this film to me was about like not putting your identity in someone else. Like his, his whole thing was he, he was clinging to like, I need to do this because this is all I have. Like he gives that line mm-hmm. about, I, that's all I have is keeping, uh, Forky in the RV or keeping him for Bonnie, mm-hmm. um, needing to go take care of Bonnie when she's at school, like that kind of stuff. Like his identity has always been in his owner and his kid. Exactly. Like that was his identity of if I'm not getting played with, I'm not serving a purpose. Like I'm here to make their life better. And so, and, and at, go ahead, I'll let you finish. Well, and then when he meets back up with Bo Peep and sees someone that's not, is is living not for themselves owner, is yeah. not tethered to an owner is living for themselves is still playing with kids and making kids happy but is not putting their identity in i have to be taken home i have to be you know hugged at night and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and and so i think from that standpoint it was growth for him of you know finally accepting that like he doesn't have to be you know, have an owner for him to be right. relevant and to mean, and they're going to be okay. Like Buzz right. says the line there, like she'll be okay. Yeah. Um, Bonnie will Fucking be okay. Waterworks, man. For me, I was just like, Oh, you sons of bitches. <laughs> See, and, and I think you're a hundred percent right. I think that, and they allude to this a couple of times where he's in the, he's in the midst of like an emotional conversation and he's talking about Bonnie and then he refers to Bonnie as Andy. Right. And so it's, he is projecting, what he did for Annie, uh, Andy, excuse me, onto Bonnie, right? Yeah. Um, and in reality, really, the phase of his life as being a toy for a kid ended with Andy. You know, it, it was never gonna be the same with Bonnie. And everything that he was trying to do was just trying to make it like it was with Andy. Sure. And everything that he was doing with Forky was trying to make it as he tried to make it with Andy. And it was him realizing like you're you're stuck in the past you're trying to keep what you used to have going with this thing and it's just not fitting the right way it's harder than it used to be it's 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 different you know and being able to say like it's okay it's okay to leave that behind it's okay to find a new purpose it's okay to change purposes that's deep shit well, and here was, here was my thing, too, is like I thought of this literally as I was sitting in the film that maybe this isn't because like I think going through the first three films, I thought it was more about like childhood in general and just growing up. Sure. Like the three films together in a lot of ways were sure. just about growing up and changing. Sure. Um, with this film, I almost feel like it is that. But like instead of like really projecting it on like Andy changing in that, like to me it was more like the toys changing mm-hmm. that so like i think of it as like i was like you could almost almost put it down this way so like one and two i kind of lumped together and they even got re-released together sure in andy's childhood it's childhood right in in general it's childhood sure you know that is really representative of being a kid having fun all that kind of stuff. Exactly, the adventures you go on the next adventure so to speak. 3 is is you could say growing up 
you know, adulthood to some point. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, Andy's not a, a full-blown adult with kids and that kind sure. of stuff. But at the same time, like, I look at, like, the w- role that the toys are in is more getting away from, like, it's about us and getting played with. Like, in the beginning, they're just trying to find a way to get Andy to play with them again. Right. Versus moving on and being, like, it's not necessarily about us. Like, we've got a bigger purpose to serve like to play with kids and like look after others and then this film it's almost like for adults like once the kids grow up and move out like recognizing like exactly. it's almost like retirement from that yeah, standpoint where of. it's like you I don't have to take got, care of the kids anymore. yeah you've got to let the kids be them and and move on they'll be fine you've raised them well but you got to trust that they're going to be fine and now it's you know, you kind of got to be selfish and live for you. You not that you don't love them anymore, but like right. kind of move on. So it's kind of interesting the way the 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 world for the toys changed. Like I, I guess yeah. in the original ones, it was always like kind of like the world changed around them. That. Yeah, yeah, the world changed around them, and they had one singular goal. And now that the world has changed around them, now it's time for them to change as well. Uh, a big part of it is is how do you handle your legacy. Um, you know, toys, uh, uh, Woody, Buzz, the toys, particularly Woody, obviously, um, in the first three films and even to the extent this film, he's giving – he's directly interacting with his child, right, with Andy, with Bonnie. And then by the end of this film, he decides, I'm going to stay with Bo Peep. I'm going to stay with this kind of group of misfit toys and help other toys find their children. To use an analogy that I think you'll appreciate or that is even fitting as we on the night that we record this podcast, we had the NBA draft. To me, it's when you can't play anymore. I can't influence the game on the court anymore. But what I can do is pass my legacy down via something else, via coaching, via something like that. That uh, th- That's a kind of a beautiful thing about sports is that sports gives you very clear phases in a life and a career. You're an amateur. You're a kid. Then you go pro and you're a pro for only so long. And then what do you do after you're a pro? Do you do you contribute to that game? Do you contribute to that um, industry via coaching, via passing down your knowledge? Do you contribute it via being a commentator, um, being a, a, a GM, you know, a back office person? But there's a, almost a, a, a relaxingly clear kind of life path for a professional athlete that isn't always clear for humans, <laughs> for humans, for people um, maybe like myself, hell, even maybe like you, even though you were a college athlete, but you're kind of doing the same thing where you played the game as a kid, you played it in college, and now you're coaching now, mm-hmm. you know? And other people in other jobs and other roles, they don't necessarily have that clear path when it's time to retire. You know, what do, what do you do? You know, when it's when the kids have moved out, what do you do? That's hard. It's scary. Um, shit. And we're talking about Toy Story 4. <laughs> well, and that, I think, plays to what a great franchise this is in that, obviously, all the Pixar movies, you can find that deeper meaning. But, like, I don't think any of them... And granted... I mean, shit, even Cars 3 has a deeper meaning about moving on. Almost but, exactly the same analogy that I just used. Sure. But I think Cars... The Cars franchise gets a little convoluted because you have the second one that it's a spy movie. We, we love and it's a spy movie, but and there's friendship in it and that kind of stuff. But it's it's weak on the like 
yeah. Pixar story sure. like method or yeah. But then you get into the other films. The only other ones that we've really had sequels for are Incredibles. We've had two and um, Dory. Dory. We had and two. We had a prequel for Monsters U. Yeah, and so I think that's why that's what's so great about the Toy Story films is we've had four of them. And they've just built on each other and just had such a cohesive like progression of life, progression of the story. And so they've told different lessons in it, but it's all gone together. So it's not like, okay, in, in Toy Story 4, we're telling a different story unrelated to everything else that has happened. It, it all builds on like where these people are is all because of what's right. behind them to right. that. And so I think it's just, that's why to me, and and you can debate me on this if you want. Anybody can debate me on this. I know. But I was like, going to say, are you? Is that an open challenge? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think there's a better franchise out there from the standpoint of quality from start to finish in every single film, cohesiveness of the films, and maybe people will say it doesn't get the same amount of credit because it's an animated film. Whatever, debate that all you want. Sure, but. I mean, the only other ones I would put as far as consistency one to, between film to film off the top of my head would be like Lord of the Rings, excluding the Hobbit right. films. Right. Um, and some of that's partly cheating because they did them all three sure. together. So, of course, really it's going to feel really story. cohesive. And it's three books that it was based off sure. of. Harry, Even, Pot it, Harry Potter would be the same. But again, it's you've got the source material laid out. Right. It's not like you went and created this original storytelling piece out of nowhere but even then the films you can tell which films are demonstratively better you know you can tell that films five six and seven are are measurably better than films one and two yeah you know and i mean you look at the indiana jones franchise uh, there's a lot of debate on those you know quality sure. what i don't like what i like what i don't like even the mcu there are movies that are not as well regarded yeah um yeah, man, and, and there is just nothing. the The stats don't lie, you know. No. Obviously, we're sharing our opinion here, but the stats don't lie. Never, not a single one of these films got less than ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Crazy. Not, not a single one of them. With all the cynical people in the world, they still universally <laughs> like, loved by audiences and people alike. That type of consistency just. <sighs> Toy Story 1. Often imitated. Toy Story 1, 100%. Toy Story 2, 100%. 100%. Toy Story 3, 98%. Toy Story 4, 98%. 98%. Crazy. Often imitated, never replicated. Even like, even like some short Toy Story of Terror yeah. got 94%. There Toy Story that time forgot bad 100 percent. bad toy story that, things don't exist i have that one recorded the it's on my tivo too i watched it with the kid there which you is time the which i hadn't seen until i watched it we with didn't him. even get to talk about like the easter eggs and stuff i caught at least four i caught the tin toy and mm -hmm. i caught when they were doing the film reel when they were getting reeled up by the film reel i saw two of the films were lifted which was a short film and mm -hmm. knickknack which was a short film okay. i want to watch this film a lot to catch those easter eggs oh there's so much in there even just like we said there's so many cameos that you you miss within there there's little things i mean you got an antique store that they're going through and there's so many potential easter eggs in there and even in the like 
the carnival, the, the little club inside uh-huh, the, the pinball, pinball machine. machine. <laughs> yep, like, yep. I want to watch that again to see what's in there. Who's it's in there? just it's so, so awesome. Lush. It's so just uh, to put a bow on it. We are in our early thirties. This franchise started before we hit the age of ten. There are at least three generations of people that are into Toy Story, whether they were adults when the first film came out, whether they were kids when the first film came out, and whether those adults have had kids, grandkids, whatever. Go see Toy Story 4. Absolutely. Like if, I mean, what's the, what's, what doubts could you possibly have? You know, it's the fourth one, which is one other thing. (laughs) God, I could keep going. I've heard it said, this movie's phenomenal. I hope they don't make any more. I don't share that philosophy. If they find a good story to tell in five years and they want to make a Toy Story 5, I welcome it with open arms. Yeah. My thing is I trust if we get any more Toy Story movies, I trust that they're going to be phenomenal because here's the thing about it. You can say whatever the age that we're in is about, you know, if it's going to produce a bunch of money, it's going to produce some money. This is one that I would say is an outlier even for a company like Disney in the sense that there's some purity to the Toy Story franchise. There's a reason why anytime a Pixar movie comes out, it always leads with from the creators of Toy Story. Mm-hmm. This is the foundation that laid Pixar. It's this beloved. is beloved. It's beloved, but it's also I think to Pixar, even with it being Disney and even with there being turnover in that, like sure. Toy Story is Pixar. Pixar is Toy Story. Yes. And it's like Mickey Mouse is to Disney. You're not going to do something that puts your legacy or, you know, what you were built off in jeopardy. So if it's not a great story, like you're not going to get a a Cars 2 or a Cars 3 type story out no. of this where it's like, yes, they were fine. Yes, they're going to do fine at the box office, but it's a lesser level than you know, the other films and things like that, or even Monsters University. You're not going to get those types of films because, again, this is the foundation that laid Pixar, and I don't think they would want to damage that legacy taking a a chance on something like that. I would argue that as as Mickey and Minnie and Donald and Goofy are to Disney, then so are Woody and Buzz and Jesse and Bo Peep are to Pixar. Oh, they are, absolutely. It is, it is a one-to-one comparison, and they will continue. These characters will continue to live for decades. They made an entire land out of yeah. Toy Story in, in Disney World. Decades. Like, it's literally an entire section of the park is Toy Story Land. It's I not Pixar. It. It's no, not it's Pixar land. land. It's Toy Story Land, yeah. and it's phenomenal, too, just by the way. I I'm very jealous you got to visit that. Well, I'm I'm glad, you know, in this summer of of mediocrity, you know, and, you know, we've enjoyed the mediocrity to a medi- mediocre extent. But, it, I mean, as much as people talk about how Disney is this huge monolith, the reason they are where they are is because they can tell stories like this with characters like this. And that's why I love it. So... That's going to that's gonna put a bow on it, as I said, like 10 minutes ago. But before we go, I do want to remind everyone one more time that you can get regular episodes of The Popcorn Diet for free on your smart device, on your laptop, wherever you listen to podcasts. Just hit that subscribe button. Hit that follow button. While you're at it, give us a rating. Throw five.
five stars up there. Write us a review. Even if it's just, it's great, awesome. Two words, hit enter. Share the popcorn diet with any of your other good movie buddies. Don't forget you can find us at patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. You can consider giving a few dollars to the podcast to help us make improvements, help us put out a consistent consistent show, but also give you patron-exclusive content like early ad-free episodes and more. Patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And, of course, you can find all of our latest episodes, all of our reviews, all of our articles, all of the other weird stuff that we do and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson. And we'll see you next time with another good movie on The Popcorn Diet. Adios.